Oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. Hi, and welcome to the Stop Chasing Skinny podcast. Today we have with us Meg Warden. And Meg is a person that I followed for quite a while, probably two years, I think. Um, I had listened to her interview on a podcast and I just loved it. And so then I Googled her to find more interviews with her. I just loved her philosophy. I loved her life philosophy, her fitness philosophy. Uh, It just really resonated with me. And I felt like it answered a lot of the questions that I was seeing from a lot of my clients. So I eventually had the pleasure of working with Meg. Meg and I worked together for about six months. Um, Meg was my coach because coaches need coaches too. And so we worked together for about six months and it was just a really awesome six months. So while we worked together, I learned a lot more about her fitness philosophy and then of course wanted to have her on the show. So welcome Meg. Hi Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for being on here. So if you could tell us a little about your background, how you ended up into fitness and wellness and what that means to you. Okay, sure. So um, I have a fortunate long history with health. My mother was one of those early adopter hippie people. I remember going to the health food store when I was little. And and so I, I had a fairly solid background of, you know, that kinesthetic memory of knowing what it feels like to eat well and be active. Um, But as I grew up, many, many challenges, I didn't have that security and stability for very long. And I ended up going through many, many years of dark stuff, addiction, and some really challenging uh, relationships you know, bad relationships and things like that. I won't get into it too much here. It's all over the internet, so we can um, talk about that some other time. But it is, um, it turned out to be health and exercise. I started, I finally found yoga again and started eating better. And this path was actually something I got onto, not to be overly dramatic, but really to save my life. Um, it, it hit really hard. I would try and I would fall off. And finally, when I got pregnant, it was actually non-negotiable that I stay alive. And so once I started doing more things, uh, cut out the alcohol, I started eating vegetables more, all of these things I sort of knew inside of myself. But when I really started doing them, it brought me back to life and increased that kinesthetic feeling of being able to just manage really so it was never about wanting to win a marathon or fit into a bikini not that any of those things are less interesting or valuable there's a place for all of that but for me personally it was legitimately about managing addiction and depression and anxiety and raising a child by myself and um, a variety of other things. So it was the the efforts I made towards taking care of myself and creating an environment of success that gave me all of the security and all of the confidence and have created any stability in my life that I have. And I, I, that was so powerful for me that I followed it as a business 
I started as a yoga teacher and then got my nutrition degree and um, started working as a health coach, which I absolutely love and like to think that I have a bit of a, a different slant on than average health coaches just coming from um, maybe maybe a little bit of a different place than other people, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And I'm glad you shared that story with us because I feel like a lot of times people do get a little bit um, bogged down in the appearance piece of it and and don't really look at the overall picture, the whole picture, and understand that it's about like it's about saving your life um, at some level. So your level was very serious, and you know, thank you for sharing that because I feel like a lot of people do turn to um, turn to some some food and exercise uh, to help manage depression and anxiety, and um, especially yeah, like everything that's wound you know balled up into addiction. I think there's a lot of things that. Um, that we can do to help ourselves. So it's great that you were able to find something that was more of a, a natural, um, healthy way to lead you through your life. And I love that you have that, that piece of it when you're working with clients. And I definitely saw that. So, um, you know, you, you don't just ask the, the specifics of, you know, what did you do X, Y, and Z? You're looking at the overall bigger picture. Right. I mean, honestly, you know, as you probably well know, exercise and health can replace addictions and just become another kind of addiction. There is a whole world of quote unquote healthy or fitness out there that isn't about being healthy or fit at all. It actually is this carrot on the stick that only increases that feeling of fragility or that feeling of needing that next hit of enoughness and it's really important I think to understand and redefine for yourself and and personally I like to try to redefine for everyone that health is actually not this race to perfection that doesn't exist but it's really more of a a like a non-negotiable attainable easeful project that's ultimately in service of the greater good that's beautiful service of this pretend place we're going to get to where just uncomfortable feelings no longer exist. It's actually an ability to carry around our suffering and fragility that aren't going away so that we can toughen up and get to the business of being useful. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. I just, you're, you're so, you take all of these things that we see every single day and these things that, that we struggle with every day and, and you just, you just boil it down. You summarize it. That was, that was great. And so somebody who's listening, you know, if you, I've had people tell me, you know, Stephanie, I need a new goal. If I don't have a goal, then I, you know, I, I just fall completely off. I'm not, I'm not staying on track. I need something to keep me, um, to keep me accountable and to keep me on track and not, not, you know, going off the rails. And, and I just kind of find, I love that you said that is a carrot and it's the next thing. And, you know, some people can't maintain their health and a healthy weight 
if they don't have a contest to do or or something like that. So let me ask you then, and I'm pretty sure I know your answer, like what? how do you feel when you see a lot of these things like squat challenges and plank challenges and things like that? Like, you know, what is your take on that stuff? <laughs> well, you know, there's a place for it. I, I have clients and know people who do very well in those kind of environments. I really... I'm trying to be diplomatic here. I really (laughs) tend to, um, it is something that is incredibly useful if your motivation is sourced from self-love versus self-loathing. So if it's legitimately a challenge and something that you're doing in celebration of your good self because taking care of yourself, creating a stronger, more flexible container for your success, and as I said earlier, ultimately, getting to the business of being useful. Yes. Awesome. Um, if it is just the next thing you're forcing yourself to do or doing because everyone else is doing, because if you complete this challenge, you may finally be enough. Then again, we have something that's not so healthy. So honestly, let's, for example, take a bag of Cheetos. If you eat a bag of Cheetos, we all know that I think Cheetos, we can all agree, are not healthy food, right? Maybe (laughs) we can all agree they're not even food. But let's just say (laughs) you have a bag of Cheetos, and if you mindlessly eat that bag of Cheetos while hating your gut and beating yourself up, that bag of Cheetos will, in fact, be incredibly unhealthy, and maybe you will get sick. If you mindfully eat that bag of Cheetos, knowing exactly what you're getting into, but knowing that perhaps you love Cheetos and you're going to enjoy the hell out of that bag of Cheetos, the same experience, the same, same bag of Cheetos, the same product is going to digest two completely different ways. I'm not saying the person who adores the Cheetos is going to actually benefit from them. I am saying that that bag of Cheetos will be less toxic. Mm, so it's just good. a more easeful scenario, right? We can do two, two, two of the exact same things. One person, two people can be in the same spin class, right? And yeah. one person is creating a great deal of stress, which causes weight gain and death, by the way. <laughs> and the other person can be in there doing something incredibly life-affirming, yeah. right? Oh, I love that. So it really, like boils down to what how your emotions I mean I have plenty of clients that you know we're doing weight loss stuff but not until they're coming from a place where that isn't the next thing the first thing you know like you're talking about those clients that are like oh, I need a goal those are the clients that I will give the goal to of um, learning to withstand uncertainty yeah that's like if you, we need to be more spacious, honestly. We have to be able to withstand discomfort and primarily, um, you know, not to, to um, alienate anyone, but the truth is this is primarily a white woman problem. Like, it, it culturally, we are raised to, to believe that we can be anything we want to be and dressed up in princess clothes and mm-hmm. and told that we can have everything. And at the same time, the message comes back that says, you can have everything, 
but you're going to have to have kids. You're going to have to work a full-time job. You're going to have to be a certain size. You're going to have to never make anyone uncomfortable with your big mouth. And Mm. so it creates a real frustrating dichotomy. And (laughs) small, small package to fit in. So we try so hard to be and do everything while not making any noise or taking up any space in the world. And that creates incredible, an incredibly fragile space. And it's like we're always walking on a tightrope. And until we can learn to actually withstand some uncomfortable feelings, which are not going away ever in our life because it's what being human means, then we're going to be walking on that tightrope. And the goal of being able to withstand some discomfort and is the process of being able to turn that tightrope into a big broad highway and be able to have a little room to breathe. And once you're in that highway, you're making conscious choices. You're not slingshotting from one fitness challenge to the next, since we're talking about fitness challenge. You're actually going, what is going to be the best thing for me, my family, my community, my world right now? Like, what am I actually, what is my priorities? What are my big picture goals here? Is this actually in service of that goal or is it not? Sometimes a fitness challenge is definitely in service of that goal. And sometimes it absolutely is the thing you're doing that causes you a great deal of stress and pain and every day reminds you that you're not enough. So how are you liking the show? We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review. Just click that review button, leave us some comments, and we appreciate all of your feedback. I think just to kind of, I can't really add too much to that, but just from a, like a, you know, that perspective of trying to attain that goal. And I love what you said about, are you, are you doing things in your life? I see a lot of people who will over-exercise and over-diet, and then they don't have the energy to do those things in life. And so they missed the big picture of exactly what you just said. Right. That's like when it's an obsession or a distraction or an addiction, it becomes a thing in it becomes it it perpetuates a need for itself rather than like it actually can create weight gain and ill health rather than the recognition that being healthy is a vehicle health is a vehicle it is not a destination we don't arrive at the place where we become people who exercise and eat well i mean plenty of people do but frankly i think it's boring Um, You know, if we become healthy and strong, then we have the energy and the strength to do something else, right? I mean, obviously, some of us become teachers of health. That's all well and good, too. But what's next? You know, what are we doing this for? What's the reason for it? Like, what's going to happen if, even if weight loss is the goal, fine, but what then? What's next? Once you lose the weight, what's next? Many people aren't even prepared for that. They're not prepared for how vulnerable, how much attention losing weight can get them or how vulnerable that is or how perhaps having a little extra weight on them was emotional weight that they were carrying around that needed a different kind of solution. Mm, That's good. And then what? You reach a goal, weight loss, then what are you going to do with your life? So many people get stuck in a cycle of being a person who wants to lose weight. So this creates self-perpetuating 
cycles of like binging and purging so that they can just maintain this razor's edge of a comfort zone of being someone who wants to lose weight. We've got to be able to think of the bigger picture, see the forest for the trees. You yeah. Know, what's what's the re, what's next? What's what are we actually doing here? And is this in service of that? Once that all gets like if you want to look good and put on sexy jeans or whatever, like fine. If that makes you feel powerful and light, I like it. Yeah, because I I know sometimes too. I felt like this after um, when I first started competing. That which I mean, that's a whole separate like I think what we said. I got the trophy for um, doing the eating disorder the best. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's really like the biggest letdown in the world whenever you think that you are going to be happy when you achieve. X, Y, and Z from a physical perspective. And then when you get to that and you're still not happy, that's an even more unhappy place than ever thinking you're going to be happy when you get there. And yeah, you just summarized that so well because it's what's next, what's after that. Can you handle what comes with looking a certain way or changing, you know? And honestly, do you ever, like in that mindset, is there ever a place where you really don't feel like you need to lose another five pounds? Like, I don't care how right? thin I've ever gotten. I have always thought, ooh, well, if I did this, I could lose another five pounds. Like, you really have to get completely out of the mindset because the actual story you're telling yourself just isn't going away. Yeah. And it's it, after a while, it just gets boring. Like, you really, <laughs> it, it gets boring and it gets incredibly unhealthy. Boring is the exact <laughs> term. Yes. <laughs> it just we, gets boring. We really boring. need more of our good, smart people. The people who we're talking about here that have the resources and the privilege to be out like working on health and fitness and eating the goddamn kale. Yeah. These are actually the people we need to be working for a better world. Like to be paying attention to the suffering of other people not be trapped in their own well of perfectionism. Yeah. So it's just not helpful for anyone. And it's not working. And I mean, just to be fair, let's also say that these good people with the best intentions are also, it's important to recognize that it's not a fair fight. We're also living in a world that is like just cramming this stuff down our throats all day long yeah i mean you there's no escaping the constant advice we're getting about what we should do to be healthier that's affirming our not enoughness that's affirming this this race for perfection and it's really just that's capitalism i mean that's just because we live in a society where this market makes billions of dollars and so everybody is cashing in on it. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've said too before, you know, people people ask like why don't you watch the news and it's not because I don't want to know what's going on in the world, but what I found was that when I watched the news or television or advertising or any of that stuff, when I didn't go on a media diet, I really was um more fearful and felt more of that not enoughness. And so when you are fearful fearful, and you don't feel like you're enough, you buy stuff. You buy all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And can we really just – I mean, like we're, we grow up to learn that the news is where we, quote, unquote, find out what's going on in the world. <laughs> like, can we all just recognize at this moment that the news is actually not telling us 
all about what's going on in the world. We actually need a variety of, we don't actually have, you don't have to watch the news. Let me just tell you right now. You don't have to watch the news. I've spent the past 10 years not. (laughs) Right? We're We're in a world where there is all the information we could ever want readily available to us. So we get to recognize that we are not only what we eat, we are all the things we consume, including information and relationships. Mm. And we can be discerning about where we get our information from. It's, of course, important to be um, able to keep, you know, stay open to channels and make sure that you're getting a variety of thoughts but or perspectives, right? Yeah. But that um, we get to choose. We, we, we can find out what's going on in the world by visiting a variety of websites or subscribing to a couple of different outlets that we trust. And then don't trust anyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then question all of it. I do and know. Then, we... And then question everything. Exactly. Yeah. It goes back to learning to be an uncertainty, though. This is the yeah. project of we actually have to be in curiosity and hold down a pretty strong space of our own security in a world that is not actually going to come save us or give us answers. There is no magic pill. And one of the magic pills we're told is going to work pretty regularly is health and fitness, health and fitness. Mm. If you just would go do, if you were just healthier, if you were just thinner, if you were just stronger, if you just look like this fitness model or that person in the magazine or whatever, um, then everything is going to be okay. You'll fit into this little box. And today's show is sponsored by Memer Media Group. Memer Media Group is passionate about helping professionals in the fitness industry expand their influence and businesses beyond the confines of their local community. For the very first time in history, health, wellness, and fitness coaches can make a positive impact and earn an income from anywhere in the world. Check out Memer Media Group at memermediagroup.com. M-E-E-M-U-R Media Group. Yeah. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It really doesn't. (laughs) There is no there is no magic pill. There is no once you arrive. It can be emptier than you ever thought. I mean, you know, trying to get to something is is actually, you know, at least now you you've or have a have a and purpose. Do you, really want to, like, do you really want to do what it takes to have the body of an athlete, which takes being an athlete basically, have the perfect children, which I can promise you is is really not possible, and have a full time powerhouse career and all the best clothes and the best hair and the best, like how yeah. long would that take? Like, is that really the goal we're after? And be like an archer, thank Disney. I now have to also shoot a bow and arrow and ride a horse. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so glad you said that because I feel like a lot of times when I have clients who are really struggling um, with feeling enough, it's because they are trying to do all of that stuff. And I remember at one point I started, I listened to a lot of audiobooks and I was listening to the book Lean In. Um, by who, Cheryl Sandberg or something like that. Um, anyway, she was talking about how women can have it all. And I have to say that the women who struggle the most are the women who are trying to have it all. And, you know, they're feeling like they're doing the splits constantly, that they're half at home, that they're half at work. And then, you know, they're trying to perfect their body on, uh, on 
on the side <laughs> and they're not sleeping. So of course they're gaining weight to lack of sleep, you know, so I'm glad you broke that down. I mean, if you have a great deal of wealth, you may be able to have it all. Like it takes an army. It takes a, it takes a staff. It takes a staff. We have yeah. to be really realistic that like, unless you have a great deal of money, to afford the nannies and the dry cleaning and all of the things that take away the myriad of mental energy it takes to put everything together yourself. You know, there's that thing that says like you have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce. <laughs> oh God. You nobody we don't actually no. Beyonce has like you know, Beyonce doesn't cut her grass hundred times. <laughs> the amount of hours because she has that many people doing the work it takes to be Beyonce, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's like we have to be realistic. And I don't think people even think, I don't think women really even think like, is that actually what I want? It's just the it's just that carrot on the stick of like, that's what you should be. You will be lovable when you attain this particular vague image. And we have to stop and be like, ugh. Do we even want that? Like, what does it actually take to have that? And are those sacrifices that we're actually willing to make? Maybe we like napping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a great point. And, and right? back, back. Maybe we don't want to have kids, you know, or maybe we don't want to have a traditional career, or maybe we don't want to shoot archery and ride horses. No, you know, Disney used to tell us that we had to be the perfect princess so we could find a prince and live happily ever after. Now we have to be the perfect prince so that we can out shoot all the princes and still find the perfect one and live happily ever after. Oh man, oh man, I'm talk so about tired. some some gender <laughs> confusion there too. <laughs> well, so yeah, talking, we get a lot of conversations about <laughs> yeah. feminism and patriarchy and capitalism, but ultimately. Those conversations can happen when our basic survival needs are met, which is how I like to define health and fitness. Do we have a body that is strong enough to fight for what we love and clear enough to digest the incessant stream of sensory input we have to put up with? You know, are we flexible enough to be able to withstand uncertainty? Yeah. Can we just walk around in this vehicle we have to walk around the planet first and foremost without just the shrieking in our brains of nothing, really? Like these arbitrary demands we have on ourselves. Can we clear all that out? Yeah. That helps. That yeah. helps. And then once that's done, right, we can make other goals, whatever they are, like you. Perhaps you really love running Spartan races, right? Yeah. Great. <laughs> that, that, you can go do that. You can go pursue that with a clear mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And once you've switched your mind frame, it's not your goal isn't just another tool to abuse yourself with. Um, that's right. kind of the like biggest. Your health and fitness is why you get to go do Spartan races and why you get to be coaching people and have this podcast because you you're not going to be after your next Spartan race, you won't have achieved the health, right? Right. You achieved something that gave you the opportunities you have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
Oh, man, this is such good stuff. I'm so glad that you took the time to be on here with us. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Yeah. So that's... I love I, talking about this. Yeah, well, because it, it all makes sense, right? And it helps to clear out a lot of these things that, you know, you have. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, you have this judgment against yourself. And then you start having anxiety because you don't match up to what your expectations are or what you think other people's expectations are. And then you have anxiety from that. And what what's a good way to calm anxiety? Eat a lot, <laughs> you know. So sometimes yeah. then you end up eating a lot and... And it's really because you were just trying to get rid of the anxiety, which if you could just look at it from a different perspective, you wouldn't have had the anxiety to begin with. You wouldn't have, you know, and I know for me, just rearranging my schedule to where I was actually sleeping seven to eight hours a night versus four or five, that's huge. I don't reach for these, you know, high calorie foods because my brain's like, oh my God, I think we're dying here because I'm sleeping. Me it's too. Just sleep. And I need nine or ten. Yeah. In case your readers yeah. are my type of folk. I need nine or ten hours. Like, yeah. I need a lot of sleep. And I finally have just had to make sure I get that or else I I lose my willpower. And willpower is finite. Decision mm-hmm. fatigue is a thing. It's real. Willpower, yep. there's studies that have been done that people who are more stressed out or have had to make many, many difficult choices, which we're doing all day long about every single thing, are given a, a bowl of cookies, and the people who have been more stressed out eat more cookies. Yeah. It's it's a proven fact. So we're white-knuckling our willpower instead of doing everything we can to actually relieve ourselves of some of the decisions. And when we're talking about, like, getting stressed out about the stress, there's a name for that, too. It's called compound stress. It's when we mm. a, a thing happens. We have a feeling about it, and then we have feelings and judgments about those feelings. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yep. So Sounds that familiar. It's an incredible amount of stress, and here's the deal. We're not getting out of having a feeling about things that happen. So stuff happens, and we have an experience, and that experience is usually an emotion of some kind. That's going to happen. Like I said, mm-hmm. life doesn't come without uncomfortable feelings or without us being sort of pushed and prodded or as everyone likes to say, triggered, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't have to then have a bunch of feelings about those feelings and have feelings about the feelings we have about feelings. We don't have to suffer the suffering of the suffering, right? We just have to yeah. recognize that there is suffering and discomfort and be able to withstand that. We have to know it passes. We have to be able to breathe through it. We have to be able to have a relationship with it that's allied rather than adversarial. We need to be able to be like, oh, hey, there's that feeling I have when that happens. Yeah. And learn to be able to make rational choices after that, right? Yeah. I love what you said, too, about breathing. To being reactionary. Yeah. Breathing. Yeah, Mm. breathing. If you press that pause button and just breathe, then it's a whole lot clearer, right? You kind of slow it down. Hey, when's the last time you checked out the SK Fit Life recipes? We have a really great collection. Some of our own, some of others. Check them out. There's a whole library waiting for you. Being someone who does health and fitness can, like health and fitness can be an amazing tool 
for teaching you to remember to breathe during mm. stress. Yeah. Health and fitness are wonderful for that, to reinforce the, the, the um, neural pathways that remind you to take deep breaths when stress arrives rather than be reactive. I also read too that um, a lot of times the reason that we choose, that we overeat. So sure, there's dopamine and there's all the chemical things that happen, but something else that happens when we stuff our bellies full is that it forces us to take a deep breath because that full belly is pressing on your diaphragm. And so I think about that sometimes. You know, if you're really stressed out and you feel like stuffing yourself, just take a few deep breaths and bypass the stuffing part, right? Mm-hmm. Same with smoking. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's Think a good about point. If for anyone who's ever smoked, I have, I don't know if you have, but mm-hmm. anyone that's listening that has, if you can just imagine the kind of breath you take, the kind of deep inhale that you take when you smoke a cigarette, it's yeah. the kind of deep inhale that we would be, uh, would be useful for us to be taking all day long of air. Yeah. All the shallow breathing, shallow breathing, oftentimes we're just craving Hair. oxygen oh, and the and the the calm that comes to our nervous systems when we take slow deep breaths yeah i've also heard that mindless eating mimics meditation you know that, oh um, yeah our brains get to shut down it's like a moment of being completely embodied and still mm-hmm. there's a stillness there's a complete embodiment and so small doses of daily meditation are incredibly useful to be able to broaden that tightrope that I was talking about earlier. I'm a big fan, even just the five to 10 minutes a day of being able to, you know, just devote that little bit of, of, um, discipline to your ability to withstand uncertainty. Probably the most powerful thing we can do actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think in an uncertain world. Yeah. We can run from the idea of uncertainty and pretend that we're going to achieve some sort of safety and stability. But the truth is we're not getting out of it all ending in death, right? We're right. not actually getting out of the fact that we're human beings riding around on a planet in space and no one really knows what's going on. So <laughs> Yeah, nobody knows. That's the thing, right? Like that's right. the false so positive that we have. We're going to arrive someplace and <laughs> feel like super comfortable finally like, have all the answers no. <laughs> yeah yeah but with so much science people you know it's it we're like oh well you know our cars work fine our appliances work great roads work fine computers work relatively well like you know isn't there Until isn't they there don't. right yeah oh believe me <laughs> did you download the app yet Escape Fit Life has an app. You may be listening to this show on it. If not, you can. Just download the app on the website, skfitlife.com. So I, I didn't really say how I worked with you. Um, I worked with, with Meg because I had hired her to help me in writing a book. And so in that process, um, we got to talking about like just every single facet of my life, basically. And so something that was an ongoing topic that came up a lot was being an introvert. So a lot of people, you may think being an introvert is somebody who is not very social, somebody who's very quiet, somebody who is shy, but you cannot, you can't 
confuse that with somebody who's shy. So I would describe myself as an outgoing extrovert. I think, Meg, you're probably an outgoing extrovert. You're on a podcast, so you're somewhat outgoing, right? But or outgoing yeah. introvert. Um, so, but you're introverted. So, can you explain a little bit about what introverted means? What this outgoing introvert thing looks like? How we how we view the world and how like those those inputs, those sensory inputs, are like times a billion sometimes. Uh, times a billion. Yeah. Difference <laughs> between being an introvert and an extrovert. I do. Um, by definition, is that is not that one group doesn't like people and the other does. It's that the extroverts actually get energy from social interaction, and that's how they recover their energy. Being alone for them is often very draining, and they need that social interaction to keep their energy um, up, levels up. An introvert is the opposite. So an introvert needs a lot of alone time to keep their energy levels up and social interaction is necessary and enjoyable and can come in all kinds of forms, but it's really draining for introverts. Sensory input can be very, very loud. Um, small talk can be impossible. Um, doing things like a podcast, like me and you decided on a time we were going to talk. We knew what we were going to talk about. We know each other. And so showing up for this is not only fairly easy, I prepared for it, it's really fun. Um, This is a very different scenario than say I'm walking through the grocery store checkout line and the cashier says, got any plans for today? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you up to today? Um, I might start to cry. (laughs) You never know. I was so deep that the effort it took to go to the grocery store, to make the list, go to the grocery store, withstand all the sensory input, all of the people, choose the things, get to the counter, I'm almost home, and I'm so deep in my head and the lists that are going on there and the, you know, planning my next business project and, you know, the inside of introverts' heads are often way more interesting to them than anything else in the world and, and small talk is really abrupt and and drags you out of it. And it doesn't seem super meaningful. So while extroverts may just enjoy, you know, shooting the shit, like talking, it feels good to just interact with another human being. For an extrovert, that can feel almost like an attack. Like, oh my God, like I have to now articulate the list. Like you actually need (laughs) to know this answer from me and I need to articulate this list. And so then you have to go home and recover. A lot of recovery. Yes. Um, an introvert needs to understand their introversion so that they can plan social things and then plan the recovery time it takes afterwards. They say it takes like 20 minutes to recover from a phone call. Um, you know, there's just time that it takes to uh, re rebalance and uh, re-energize yourself as an introvert. Yeah much to say about that. I could go on and on. But. No, you totally answered the question. Um, and then as far as that sensory input goes, I think, you know, so maybe explain to, because, okay, so I personally have been accused of being selfish, antisocial, hard to talk to, make people feel uncomfortable, like, you know, and, it, and 
I don't think that I'm like this, and I've had many people tell me I'm not, but I can see how my introversion, my need to be alone, could be misinterpreted by people who want to hang out. So people could take offense to that and go, well, why don't you want to hang out with me? And it's not that I don't want to hang out with you. It's that I don't want to hang out with anybody. <laughs> I just need a little time, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that happens. Um, they, apparently, there's more extroverts in the world. And I mean, maybe because they are extroverts, they tend to run things and set up our sort of societal rules in extroverted ways. And so definitely, it's very confusing to extroverts when we're like, um, yeah, I will. I, what do you mean? I how, like, why are you inviting me to this party? I, I just went to a party. Yes. Like last weekend. I've had people say to me at parties, you know, like, oh, my God, like, we should hang out more. And my thought is, we're hanging out right now. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you, like, oh, my God, the pressure. Um, right? <laughs> like, I just made it here. Like, right. I feel like I should be celebrated. Like, people should be super grateful that I got there at all. Like, not not in a hubris way, but just, like, the, the effort took to like arrive at this social interaction and all that somebody will say is like oh this is really fun we should do this way more I never see (laughs) you we should hang out more right um (sighs) but honestly it's all well-intentioned right it's just people being like this saying this is fun and it's a different way of thinking um and yeah sometimes they do actually think you're being rude or aloof and Oh, it is part of that withstanding uncertainty and not getting out of suffering that we were talking about earlier. It is like price of admission. We just have to learn how to create lives where we can set good boundaries. We can manage that kind of thing. And oftentimes, once you get a handle on what your personality is, like if there's people in your life who you can't explain it to, who just don't stop, sometimes you have to reevaluate your relationships. Yeah. I find it very, very difficult to be friends with extroverts in any sort of an intimate way because it's just too much explaining. (laughs) I mean, personal, I just, it doesn't work. And I have work to do. (laughs) Yeah, you have work to do. You're a health coach. You work for yourself when you're not working. You're not making money. Um, I feel like sometimes that's a little bit difficult for people to understand too. So, yep, that's a good point. And when I'm not working, I'm not talking to people, which is what I do for a living. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? So I don't actually want to go to social things necessarily in my time off. I get a very wonderful... um, you know, kind of so interaction with the most amazing people in my work. I've managed to create a life where, like, I get to talk to some of the most brilliant people in the whole wide world, these women that are doing incredible things. It's very, very satisfying. It's structured in a way that, like, we know when we're going to talk. We know what we're going to talk about. It's amazing. As you know from us working together, it's fun. It's yeah. not, like, all business. We, like, really, it's an enjoyable time to connect it's a deep connection and then I have a few friends and that's that's really been a difficult thing to create over the years I'll be honest that's like I say it like it's easy but honestly this getting to this place has taken me many many years and some difficult relationship choices to feel like I have the space to stay safe 
Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that because I think that a lot of um, a lot of people feel that way, and I think a lot of people are confused by the people who feel this way. I know I've confused people, not intentionally ever, um, but yeah. So I think it's just understanding that and being you articulated it so well. I think you know being able to articulate it well um, is really important. But you know, like you said, that that's because you experienced it the tough way for several years. So, um, so I want to go ahead and move on to some of the unique coaching opportunities you offer because you offer a few of them each year um what do you have coming up i am really excited about the next thing i've got uh, first um i've got uh, my private coaching of course Mm -hmm. and then i've got um i just put in place and i haven't announced it yet but by the time this podcast comes out i will have it is the feed me darling liberation front which is going to be an ongoing subscription based group I'm really super proud of the community I've created. I just got finished with a um, holiday group, and it, I just I'm, I've set out an intention to be more of an ally than a guru. And I, I being an introvert, hate groups, so yeah. I want to have a group that is less group wise. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, like I've totally set out this sort of impossible goal and. It's happening. I have all of these wonderful other sort of outgoing introverts that really want and need social interaction and support, but also really need a group of people that are like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Do not go to that party. You know, (laughs) Um, it's totally okay for you to say no. So we do a lot of that sort of thing in the group. Um, And I'm really, really hell bent on teaching more of this redefining health and using health as a vehicle to get to the business of being useful. So um, I'm going to be doing monthly calls. It's going to be really affordable. I'm charging around $49 a month to be able to get on the phone once a month. with plenty of time to ask questions and an incredibly supportive group. It's going to be a great way for my private clients to gather as well as for new people that maybe are not quite ready for private coaching um, to be able to make a smaller time and financial commitment and be a part of something. So that's the next thing. And then there's a whole bunch of other things. That's super exciting. Yeah. We'll put all of those um, links in the show notes too. So if you want to join Meg's group, um, because I just think that that was, I mean, you helped me with tons of stuff while we worked on coaching, but really just accepting that and being okay with it. um, The extrovert or the outgoing introvert thing um, was super helpful. So I think, you know, and like what we talked about initially, if that's one of your pain points and you haven't accepted that yet and and identified it and all of that, there could be some, you know, some some stress eating, emotional eating that's taking place um, based on those interactions alone. So it's pretty interesting once you get down to it um, to realize that it's not always just about the food and the exercise. It's usually just everything else. It really is. And then we can get to the business of the eating and exercise. Like it just has to, you know, get clear on your core motivation and then get, you know, then do the things you have to do without question. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks again for taking your time to talk with us today. Thanks for having me. This conversation has been really fun. Yay. I love your work. I'm actually a big fan of yours. Oh, well, that is a huge compliment because I am a huge fan of yours. So this has been just a really wonderful uh, connection. Just, you know, I'm so glad that I listened to your podcast. Like, when was it? That was 2013. 
Wow, time flies. It does. <laughs> well, thanks again, Meg. My pleasure.